it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where every week we talk about how to keep yourself in balance intellectually, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you know what? It's just incredibly important for your overall health and wellness to understand these principles, because if your physical health has been impaired by COVID or by an autoimmune disorder or by cancer or something else that you're dealing with, your emotions are attached directly to your physical wellness. And in turn, it's very difficult then to grow intellectually, to learn new ideas, to stretch your mind, and also to handle uh, that spiritual connection that we all have with the greater world, whether it's another human being or just planet Earth. Um, so I encourage people to please go check out my website, synergyconnectionradio.com. On that website, you're going to see a link to Boomer products. I've been using them for seven years. They're a sponsor of this show. And the products are what I believe have kept me very healthy over the last uh, seven years in particular. But um, you want to always look for two things when you go for your physical. One of them is a C-reactive protein um, test. You have to request this. Your doctor's not going to put it in with the regular blood panel that they order. And that is the level of inflammation in your body. And you want it to be below 0.5. I will tell you that on my last physical, it was, mine was a 0.01. So I don't have inflammation running around in my body, thank goodness, because that is the beginning of all disease. So you want to know that number and boomers can help you reduce that number with their barley. They have two different kinds, heirloom barley and gladiator barley. Gladiator barley has 20 grams of pre-digested protein. It's in an amino acid form. It removes toxins from the body. It reduces inflammation and it rebuilds muscle. And one of the research areas that's huge right now, because we have a growing an aging population is people are losing their muscle mass. And when you lose that, then you begin to have problems with balance. You can fall more easily. And when you do fall, there's a greater opportunity for breaking bones and doing other damage to parts of your body. Um, so I'm not gonna go into all that, but please check out that website. And if you put in my name, L-U-C-Y, you're gonna get a 15% discount on your order. So I would take advantage of that in today's economy. The 15% is a nice little bonus there. All right, so I have as a returning guest, Trey Malicote. And Trey and I have been friends for years now. We have done some traveling together and it was awesome fun way back when on our way out to Colorado on one road trip that we took. Um, but it's such fun, you know, having Trey back on the show again. He holds his master's degree in counseling psychology. He works as a personal coach, a writer, a speaker. He's got two books that are coming out that he's going to share a little bit about. And today we're talking about the five rules for joy, peace, and purpose. So welcome back, Trey. Uh, Lucy, thanks so much for having me. And you know, every time I have the opportunity to spend time with you here, 
it just excites me, invigorates me, and so thanks again for having me. So here's the skinny, sister. I have been busy since COVID hit, and over the last couple of years, I've been frantically working, maybe frantic is too strong a word, but I've been working on really taking the, the experiences and, and information that I've learned over the years and putting it into a format via books and classes that people can really understand one thing, and that is how to change the story. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. All of us are creating our realities at any given moment based on a story that is subconscious in nature. That story was created by our parents, by the experiences in our lives, by people that have been influential, and many of us hold a story that sometimes says, I'm not good enough, I'm undeserving, I'm damaged, I'm unworthy of love, I don't matter. And so as I started really thinking about what I wanted to write about, I said, okay, we got to help people get to a point where these are not the, the storylines any longer. So what has come out of that and what I'm most excited about today is to talk about my latest book called The Five Rules for Joy, Peace, and Purpose. Now, I will tell you this, it's in the early editing phases. And so the other title might be Five Things You Need to Know to Be Happy, because okay. these are literally the five most important things that I've noticed I'm, I'm teaching my clients. But more importantly, these are the ahas that I've come to understand that have radically shifted how I live. Now, before I dive into that, I wanna make a small uh, little self-promotion because my first book called Rewire is out on Amazon right now. And it's about mastering your subconscious, releasing your suffering and creating the life you deserve. It's a primer on how our subconscious stories are created. And you can get that on Amazon just by searching my name, Trey Malico. Now, Diving in, the five things you need to know to be happy, otherwise known as the five rules for joy, peace, and purpose. Okay. Here's what I learned. I was sitting the other day with a client, as I do every day with lots and lots of people, and he asked me point blank. He said, okay, Trey, I don't have time to do what you're telling me I need to do rewrite the subconscious, mine up the narratives, release the self-sabotaging, all of the layers and layers and layers of work that both you and I have done for 20 plus years. He said, give it to me simple. What are the, the most important things I need to do? I said, okay, I'm gonna give you five questions that I want you to ask yourself all the time. These become the questions that we build our meditational practice on. In fact, these questions are so powerful that if a person can set themselves up on a moment by moment basis where they're using these questions as the guide, the rudder for their ship, all of a sudden happiness evolves outwardly. Okay. okay? Now, I know you're saying, Trey, what in the world? Five questions and it's going to make the world better. Have I lost <laughs> my mind, right? No, I know you found your mind. <laughs> well, I don't know if I found it, if I can hold on to it. All right. So what I want to do is, first of all, I want to talk about these five questions, and then I want to expand upon them with the content that's in the book. Okay. okay. 
Okay. Now, the first question is, and what I want you to think about is as a, a, a mindfulness practice, which basically means being present to your experience in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Most people are not present to their experience in the moment. They're present to their experiences from the past or from their, uh, uh, they're present to their fears about the future. What I'm proposing is in order to live mindfully, we have to first become aware. And second of all, we need to set systems in place to just keep us mindful in the moment. Here's mm -hmm. the first question. Who or what has my attention? Who or what has my attention? And I'll tell you what, I'll give you all five questions and then we'll dive into them, okay? Okay. Who or what has my attention? Number two, what am I creating right now? What am I creating right now? Number three, who am I becoming? Number four, what is scaring me? And number five, what stories of limitation am I choosing to believe? Okay, now those seem like simple questions that we can ask ourselves, but let me drill it down more specifically, okay? Now, in the mindful state of the present moment, the mindful moment, to really learn how to create a life of joy, peace, and purpose, happiness, contentment, pleasure, etc., what we have to do is become very aware, very present to what we're thinking about. So when we think about who or what has my attention, let me give you a perfect example. I live in a complex that is not well managed. And so the other day I was taking a walk and there were there was some debris in the lake. And I really got somewhat inflamed about the debris in the lake. And then as I was walking, I was thinking about the debris in the lake and the environmental impact. And then that led to me thinking, well, they're not really managing the property well. Then made me think about, and before you know it, I spent 20 minutes on a walk thinking about the garbage in the lake. <laughs> That's crazy. So to be more mindful, if I could have stopped myself and said, okay, what and who has my attention right now? Did I want to give all of that attention to the owners that have this property that I live in? Or would I have rather directed my attention towards something that was moving my life toward peace, joy, happiness, contentment? So what or who has my attention? I'll give you another example. I was working with a client not long ago and she said, I'm so mad at so-and-so. I said, what are you mad about? She said, well, I saw her at a party last night or a couple of nights before, and she made this offhanded comment about the way I looked. And it's just, I said, okay, time out. Susan, how long has it been since the event occurred? Well, about 48 hours. Okay. And as you've thought about it over the last 48 hours, how many of those 48 hours do you think you've focused on that perceived injustice? Well, probably 30 hours. I said, okay, if we were going to put an hourly rate on your value of time, how much do you make per hour? About 25, 20, you know, 20, 25 bucks an hour. So what you're telling me is that you have worked thinking about something for 30 hours and if you monetize that 30 times 20 bucks an hour you've spent six how much six hundred dollars six hundred dollars yeah. of your own time 
wasted because you're focusing on something, your attention is directed. And frankly, it's also based on speculation, misunderstanding, not having all the details. Basically, what I was telling her is that she had spent 30 minutes or 30 hours invested in a story that she held from the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you monetize it, like I suggested, all of a sudden you'd stop and say to yourself, would I spend $600 to focus on this? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, right? right? We focus on the craziest things. Here's another example. I, the other day, and I am ashamed to admit this, but I got my weekly report from the telephone and it said, oh, your weekly usage of your screen, of the, basically the screen time had dropped by an hour and 45 minutes. I said, oh, fantastic. Let's see what's going on. As I popped it open, I had spent almost five hours a day on my telephone. Hmm. What has my attention? I took the question. Well, what has had my attention is an insane political environment, uh, a health crisis, the wars in other parts of the world. And I'm not saying that I want people to be inconsiderate or, or unaware, but really when I came down to my own processes, I realized that I was spending four or five plus hours a day thinking about and worrying about and focusing on things that I have absolutely no control. Mm -hmm. And that five hours of day is actually separating me from the life of joy, peace, and purpose that I want and the work that I must do. Mm -hmm. Wow. So mm -hmm. here's the thing I want people to think about who or what has my attention. And the, the idea is that, to be most mindful, we must cultivate presence. Right. Presence is about being aware. It's about taking a journey toward wholeness. It's about reconnecting with our inner wisdom. It's about understanding that at any moment, who or what has my attention will drive us to where we need to be. And remembering this key factor, what we focus on becomes our reality. Absolutely. You know, there was a book years ago, um, and I, I don't remember the author right off the top of my head, but um, I, I just remember him saying that when you look at the word presence, mm -hmm. uh, being present, it's also a gift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's a gift that we give ourselves. And to be in the present moment Mm -hmm. um, is that gift, you know, and being looking around and saying, what would I love to give myself? And maybe it's the sound of a bird singing, or maybe it's raindrops on a window, or maybe it's, um, you know, the smell of brownies cooking in the oven, but, mm -hmm. you know, focus on something that you would treasure as a gift. Absolutely. Well, let me take that even a step further. When I think about being present, and I love how you tied that together, being present means being connected to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I've developed a ritual every morning where I make coffee, I walk the dog, and I always do the dishes. Now that's not because of some neuroses I have about having all the dishes done. I don't really care about that. Mm -hmm. It's more about the act of washing the dishes, mm -hmm. waiting on the coffee, preparing mm -hmm. myself, thinking about the day. It's about mindfully taking action. 
And no matter what you do, if you're mindful and thoughtful about it, you're staying present. Right. You remember I do, Thich Han? Yeah, you remember Thich Nhat Han? Yeah, absolutely. Not too long ago. But mm -hmm. um, that was one of the, the rituals he gave himself was mm -hmm. being present as he washed dishes. Uh -huh. And there wasn't letting his mind just kind of wander around, but the act of washing the dish and what it meant. Absolutely. So I'm going to give three different suggestions in terms of establishing presence. Mm -hmm. First of all, be intentional and use the time knowing what you're thinking about you're creating. Number two, use your breath as an anchor. When you are feeling unglued, go back to the breath and simply being aware of the breath. And thirdly, by doing a body scan, understanding where your stress is and also doing things like mindful walking, which is basically pulling your head out of your telephone and noticing the birds and the weather and the grass and the squirrels and the smells and the temperature mindfully presently okay mm -hmm. all right now i know that we're going very very quickly and i will tell you this there's all sorts of suggestions ranging from mindful eating self-compassion embracing imperfection developing an inner sanctuary for yourself many of these things tie us to presence mm -hmm. okay now the second question which i absolutely love going back to the example i was giving you Got a little sideways the other day with the people that run the building here that I live in. And so I had to go down and deal with a fairly egregious mistake that could have resulted in a big problem with the lease. When I walked in, I was flared up and frustrated. Like so many people, I sat down and as I was just about to get real stupid, emotionally saying things I shouldn't say. I stopped myself and I said, okay, Trey, what am I creating right now? I could create hostility. I could create frustration. I could create antagonism or I can create peace. So shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's basically what I said to myself, right? Mm -hmm. So what am I creating right now is not about the paintbrush or the orchestra wand. What I'm creating right now is not about the next book I'm going to write. It's about intentionally creating the moment because life is really moment layered upon moment. Mm -hmm. So practically speaking, when I think about going out with friends, for instance, in my younger days, I would say, oh, I just want to go have a good time. Now, in my more uh, wise years, I say to myself, okay, what do I want to create tonight? Do I want to create intimacy and connection? Do I want to create adventure and um, in craziness? Do I want to create um, humor? And, you know, what, what, what do I want to... It's being intentional about when we intersect with other people. Right. What am I creating, right? Now, I'll give you, uh, using another example, You've noticed every time that we're together, whether it be coffee or dinner or a trip to Denver, we naturally are intentional about what we are creating. Mm -hmm. 
what we talk about, where we go, our conversations about different topics. We are in a state of creating the moment. And what I know is if a person wants to create a life of joy, peace, and purpose, and ultimately the research tells us in the world of happiness, we must create all of those things, joy, peace, purpose, and happiness. And we do that by intentionally creating what we believe we want and what we deserve. Mm -hmm. If you create drama, you believe you deserve drama. If you create hostility, you are bringing hostility upon yourself. If you create peace and connection and intimacy and vulnerability, you bring about trust and openness and acceptance and love. Right. What am I creating right now? Okay. Now, going back to the same example as I was sitting in the office thinking and recalibrating myself about what I was creating, there was a certain moment when said person just got real ignorant, just kind of said some stuff that they just, they just got stupid. And I, I think we now live in a world where it's not uncommon for people to get stupid. They say things that are offensive. They don't think before they speak. It's almost as if the, there's a level of volatility among people now that we didn't have 20 years ago. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So the, the third question, as I was sitting there, I stopped myself and I said, okay, what am I becoming right now? What am I becoming? Am I becoming a problem? Am I becoming a solution? Am I becoming frustrated or am I becoming a person who's reconciling? What am I becoming? And this drives me to a much bigger idea that as human beings, if we wanna be mindfully present, we must be aware of what we're becoming at any given moment. And you're either becoming constricted, locked down with fear, or you're becoming expansive in love. Mm -hmm. Really, those are the two options, in my opinion, constriction or expansion. What am I becoming in my work? What am I becoming uh, with my family? What am I becoming with my friendships? What am I becoming? And this isn't about focusing on the future. This is about real-time calibration. What am I becoming right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Now I'm going to take a breath for a second. And because there's only two more of these, but I want to understand what are your thoughts so far on some of these concepts? Well, the becoming part, I think, is crucial for people to understand because we are vibrational frequencies. Mm -hmm. And as a result, um, that frequency is is always moving. And so the becoming part of it can alter from one moment to the next, from one day to the next. So it's an evolutionary process, you know, that we're up against here. And when people begin to understand that we can take a disease, even as an example, mm -hmm. and modify it or even release it, mm -hmm. uh, become cancer free, be, right. you know, have cardiovascular health back again. Mm -hmm. um, that's because you're altering who you're becoming. That Absolutely. And it's that, all about frequency. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it really is. Uh -huh. So I I absolutely am following you here is when people begin to accept that they are their own worst enemy mm -hmm. because of where their focus is and who they're becoming, then they can alter that. They can change their lives if they want to. Absolutely. 
It's interesting because I often will ask someone what their past represents or why they hang on to their past. And mm -hmm. people will give me some excuse like, oh, it's a, I need to remember. I don't want to make the same mistakes. And I stop and I say, no, your past is nothing more than a record of your evolution. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in, I have quotes throughout the book and the one that leads out on the chapter of belonging says, humans are in a constant state of growth and evolution. We never stop changing and we certainly never return to who we were before. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So, all right. So presence, creation, becoming. Now the fourth one, I believe is maybe the most powerful of all these five questions. And this is based on the idea that 90% of our functioning at any given time is subconscious. Now, when you start really understanding the purpose of the subconscious mind, it is the silent partner that is in place to keep you safe. The subconscious is there to be the warning system. The subconscious is there to be the reminder of pain. And the subconscious is never accurate. Hmm. Never accurate so for instance you might have an experience that really broke your heart when you were younger and maybe it was about a man or a woman that you were connected to and it was so painful that you said i'll never go back to that relationship and over the four or five years since that relationship your subconscious has continually reinforced the idea don't go back don't go back never be around that kind of person this is the kind of person that's a risk etc and so when we think about the subconscious it is rooted in fear the fourth question is what is scaring me right now Mm -hmm. What am I afraid of right now? If you've got a conflictual situation with someone or a change at work or a problem with your spouse or partner or a difficulty with your kids, what are you afraid of? Because it's the fear that prevents us from taking compassionate, proactive, deliberate, mindful action. Mm -hmm. And if you look at human motivation, I know I'm nerding out on you for a moment here, but when you look at human motivation on a foundational level, we are motivated by two things. It's called approach or avoidance. Approach motivation is, does this feel good? Is it pleasurable? Does, do I like this? Mm -hmm. So we're pursuing mm -hmm. things that feel good. Avoidant motivation is, is this scary? Is this going to hurt me? Is this a risk? Mm-hmm. And so if you want to change the way you live, you've got to change your core motivations. And one of the ways that we do that is becoming present to what is scaring us in the moment. I'll give you an example. This last year, I've released two books. One is for gay men who've come out after 40. And that has some personal resonance with me on a much deeper level. I rewrote that book four times. And mm. then finally, my friend said, Trey, what's scaring you? And what I realized was that I had had an experience 20 years ago being chastised and ostracized by the audience that I'd written for. And I didn't want to run the risk of being chastised or ostracized again. So I fell into a perfectionist story. Uh -huh. So I want you to think about what is it that's scaring you right now? And I love the quote, um, I think it's a, a movie called Build the Zoo or I Own a Zoo. It was 
I don't, I don't remember. It was back in the 90s. But the, there's a scene in it where it talks about all we really need to do is muster up about seven seconds of courage. Mm. Any circumstance, seven seconds of courage. Okay? Now, let me round the corner with the fifth and, and uh, also very powerful question that we need to ask ourselves. What stories of limitation am I choosing to believe? Now, I will be quite frank with you. Many, 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 many millions of people see therapists and coaches and counselors and folks because they want a solution to their problems. You've seen it in your practice. I've seen it in my practice. And fundamentally, the thing that keeps people from living the lives that they want is that they're believing a story that they've created. And that story is 99% of the time related to some type of lim lim limitation. Mm -hmm. And so what I want people to think about is if you really strip away all the limitations you've been taught, who would you be? If you didn't have the fears and the uncertainties and the second guessing, who would you become? Mm -hmm. If you didn't have someone in your life saying, oh, you're not as good as you need to be, or I wish you were more like this, who would you evolve into? Those stories of limitation are what literally keep us rooted in the patterns of oppression that we have lived with for our, our entire lives. And I don't know about you, but it, it has been interesting in my practice. People will say, okay, what do I need to do to change things? And I'll go through a two, three hour process with them to help them discover their core subconscious wounds. And when we're done, I say, okay, these are all your wounds. This is where these wounds have come from. This is how you can change the way you think. Now you're okay, go do it. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's accurate. But what I find is that the work is really helping people adapt to the powerful knowledge that's sitting in front of them, mm -hmm. integrating to those stories of empowerment. In fact, Marianne Williamson's quote about we're not afraid of our inadequacies, or, uh, but we're more concerned about our, our immense power. And I'm not quoting that accurately, but mm -hmm. there's, you know, if a person can really, by asking these five questions, get really present mindfully in the moment, they step in, we step in to a state of power that's free and joyful and peaceful. I've noticed even with my partner, here's an example. I know I'm, I'm beating this to, to a, a hard line, but the other day he and I got a little sideways with each other and using these five questions, I looked at myself, I said, okay, what has my attention right now? It was an old triggered story. What am I creating right now? Strife and anxiety. What am I becoming? Well, I could become peaceful or I could become a jerk. <laughs> What's scaring me? I don't want the relationship to change. And what stories am I choosing to believe that I can't trust him? And then at a certain point when I could recalibrate all that, I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, do you think this fight's really worth the evening? He said, not at all. Okay, tie a bow on it, put it away. It's done. We're good. Mm-hmm. As you and I both know, people have a pile of stuff they're hanging on to. And what I'm proposing is that, that that resentment, anger, and frustration, and bitterness, and sorrow, and suffering, and grief, and sadness, and all the other things we are creating, they are the story. And if we can learn to be mindful, and by doing so, we use these five questions, we then can step into a place of intentional creation.
You know, I don't know whether you've ever done this, but as I'm listening to this particular show myself, I'm thinking what a great gift to give a client, have them go pick out the most beautiful journal they can find Mm -hmm. and make this the intention that they begin their new story, you know, by writing it, by, by every time they sit down during the day, uh, asking themselves these questions Mm -hmm. of who am I becoming, you know, what limitations do I want to get rid of? Mm -hmm. Um, Who do I want to be tomorrow? Who do I want to be the next day? But making little daily entries like a diary. um, But with this in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I will have people journal, Mm -hmm. but I've never really thought about using it with these three, you know, five steps here. Mm -hmm. Well, what you're seeing also is that these five questions play a dual role. Number one, they keep you present Mm -hmm. and they become the practice. Mm -hmm. But the other thing they do is they focus you. For instance, what has my attention? What are you setting your goals toward? What are you thinking about? What are you building? What are you creating? Where are you going? Yes. Right. What am I creating right now? That's momentary in the moment, but it's also, am I creating um, experiences for people or literature or adventure or compassion or love or whatever it may be? You know, in many respects, it's like building a house. Absolutely. I mean, you, you can't start without a foundation. Mm-hmm. But the foundation you can't live on. So you've still got to put in walls and windows mm-hmm. and doors and a roof and insulation. And so that's the building process. And if you don't focus on where you're going with it, the house is not going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. 100%. Yeah. Who am I becoming? You know, if we can get really intentional about that, I used to have a friend that would say, we're getting better and better every day in every way. Mm-hmm. And I think that phraseology has been around since Holmes a long, long time. But what when you think about what am I becoming, if we put ourselves in a forward motion where we say, I am evolving, I am changing, what do I want to become? Mm-hmm. Then we strip away the limitations and we say, okay, I want to become someone who impacts millions of people with my words and thoughts. I want to be someone who makes a profound difference with a handful of people. I want to become someone who revolutionizes the way that we treat each other. I want to innovate and become the person, whatever it may be. That's the power. That is the power. Right? Absolutely, it is. So um, when do you think this book is going to hit the market? Well, thank you for the question. I think this is going to hit the market by the 1st of December. Oh, really? Yeah. And the good thing is with all of my books, I always include a a supplemental journaling guide. For instance, Mm -hmm. in the Rewire book, there are 50 journaling prompts that follow along with the concepts in the book. Mm -hmm. And this one will also have a comprehensive journaling guide. And I'm probably going to offer a retreat around these concepts as well. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that uh, if it is going to be on Amazon by the first part of December, what a great Christmas gift to tuck in somebody's stocking. I'm going to give you a big fat kiss on your forehead for the nice promotion. Thank you, Lucy. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I think it would be fantastic to, to find that because everybody, like I said, is evolving. Whoever we are right today is not going to be who we are by Christmas time. Absolutely. 
Well, I know we're ending our time, but let me let me leave leave you with a thought, leave your audience with a thought. If we can use these five questions to become really present, we become intentional. And when we become intentional, we become deliberate. And when we become deliberate, we're actually creating what we deserve and desire and how we want our lives to look and feel. And when I think about that on a micro level, it fits the bill just like I laid it out. On a, on a broader level, a macro level, if we as a community, as a society, would use these five questions, we literally could change the world. Right, because that frequency that I was talking about earlier is a ripple effect. Absolutely. So if we kind of do it within our little microcosm, it mm -hmm. touches so many others. You know, Absolutely. Trey, um, before we say goodbye, um, how do you want people to get in touch with you? Oh, great question. Uh, of course, on Amazon, it's Trey Malakote. Just search it. Um, and then in general, I have a website, treymalakote.com, T-R-E-Y-M-A-L-I-C-O-A-T.com. And uh, that's a good point of entry. And I would welcome, if anyone wants to just have a stimulating cons conversation or seek some support, I'm here and I want to, I want to be present to that. So, right. yeah. Well, thank you again for being my guest. Um, we have to have a Christmas get together here pretty soon. And um, everybody, please go out there and make this your best life. And remember to check out the website, uh, SynergyConnectionRadio.com. Uh, use L-U-C-Y as your discount code and get 15% off of your order. Um, please, again, uh, share this show with others because I think they can all benefit from understanding these five questions that Trey has presented. And again, go out there and make this your best life. See you next time.